Hi. Umberto. Ciao. Ciao, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you? So, my guys, you, you guys are in my thought. I, I, John, I'm listening to your podcast uh, about Columbus, and I'm really, really, really learning very much. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. The podcast is, is fantastic because it's, it has a, a balance. Uh, it, it really, really is what, what we need right now. Thank you. I, I don't know how, how do you do, but I, it seems to me that everything you do, you do it perfectly. <laughs> Thank you. Tell my wife But, that. <laughs> I will. <laughs> See that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian-American Podcast. I'm your host, John Viola, and happy to be joined today by two of my favorites, Rosella Rago and Pat O'Boyle. Guys, happy belated Labor Day weekend. Yeah, for the record, guys, I have no idea why I'm on this episode. We're talking about politics. I'm about <laughs> as informed uh, about politics, both Italian and American, as Cardi B is informed about politics. Uh, Cardi B? I, Pat, wow. Holy no, no, seriously, I have no... Who's Cardi V? <laughs> That's why Pat is on the episode. Yeah, so if I say anything that sounds stupid, it's because I am largely about anything we're going to talk about today. So... Everyone be kind, no, that's please. Not that's not, that's no, not. That's, that's self-depreciating. You, you, I've had many of these conversations with you. I think you're sharper than you're letting on. I don't know what Italian parliament is. I don't know <laughs> what it is. Well, then you get a, a crash course. But nobody in Italy does either. That's why Italy's in the state of things. <laughs> that's why we so have. You, you are truly Italian. I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I thought Italian parliament was just an excuse for them to like, you know, wear suits and then they, you know, go out to eat after. Appropriately, that is exactly what we're here to discuss. <laughs> Don't they get gelato for free? Don't they have like a gelato budget or is that like an urban? They think they have everything budget. They have the blue cars and all these. They may not still have them. We have an expert here who can give us the answer to all these questions. Uh, my really dear friend, Umberto Mucci, is here today, direct from Rome. Umberto is the founder and driving force behind We the Italians, which is one of the best bilateral entities out there. It's a, a wonderful site. Uh, books, magazine, blog, they're podcasting, uh, webcasting, YouTube, everything. I mean, Umberto does it all really as the great champion for Italian-American culture and history in Italy. We've had a lot of interactions over the years, and uh, today I'm going to dub him our special correspondent on, on Italy. So, uh, Umberto, welcome to the Italian-American podcast. Thank you very much, John. It is an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. And ciao to everybody who is listening. Ciao to you, to Patrick, and to my friend Rosella. I'm stupider than everybody here. <laughs> <laughs> no, Umberto, you need the background music. Now you can continue. You know what's really nice about Umberto is that he's really like the sweetest man ever. He's a big teddy bear. Like you can't, uh. you can't like argue with him. Even the arguments are sweet and nice and never offensive. Like he's a doll of a human. We love him. Thank you. Not, not with everybody, Rosella, but with you, it's impossible to, to argue. No, no. I mean, my husband would uh, challenge that. But. <laughs> You're from two very nice regions. Amelia's nice and easygoing. Sardinia's nice and easygoing. You have nice and easygoing in your genes. You're right. You're right. Thank you. 
Well, Umberto, the reason we're here today and the reason I asked you to come on is because we actually got a bunch of letters and messages from different listeners who wanted to know about the upcoming Italian parliamentary referendum. And uh, as Pat points out, there's a lot of confusion, popular misconception, misunderstanding about the Italian parliament and the prerogatives of serving there. And uh, this is a recurring theme in Italian politics, as Pat and I have joked about on the show before. We were in Italy on a ferry between, I want to say... Palermo and Naples. Yeah, Palermo and Naples. You should tell them the truth. You abandoned me, you and my brother, <laughs> on a ferry between Palermo and Naples. Like I was some kind of degenerate. You let me sleep in a lobby on a ship that was moving that I woke up. I didn't know wherever I were. And I, I didn't. I could have died, but, you know... You're Don't gonna... believe all the hype. They love me. They love me. Yeah, so I'm on a boat alone. I was on like the Neapolitan version of the Titanic. But <laughs> Pat fell into breath. a deep sleep on the deck of the ferry, and it was in the night of the referendum vote, which was, uh, I guess, when was the last one? 2017? 2016. 2016. December. The, the, it was the first time we tried to handle this whole mess about shrinking and adapting the Italian parliament. So before we go into sort of what's happening in the politics, you know, we have a lot of listeners who are, who are dual citizens who are interested in what this means for them and for the representation of the dual citizens abroad. So, Umberto, could you kind of lay out what brought us to this point right now? Okay, so I'm happy that you decided to have a podcast which lasts five hours. <laughs> 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 Grab your medicines, your aspirins. No, it's not easy, actually. <laughs> Um, and it's not easy to, to speak about Italian politics and even in, in English and even to people who is uh, used to uh, simpler politics. Not, uh, not that it's not complicated in the United States, but we actually are very proud about the mess that we do in Italian politics. So uh, to cut the long story short, so we are talking about a referendum that is a constitutional referendum and we had four in the history of Italy. The last one was in 2016, and it was about a reform that was much bigger than this. Uh, it was a reform done by the uh, Democratic Party by Renzi, who was uh, premier at the time, and he bet everything on it, and he lost. So he went away, he resigned. Uh, that was a bigger reform uh, that was uh, touching uh, uh, almost uh, uh, half of the constitution. Now, in this referendum that we will vote on September 2021, we're talking about only three articles of the Constitution. So it's a slight change. Still, it's a, it's a very important change. Uh, we had four uh, from the beginning of the, of the Constitution, but um, you know, these are referendums that uh, are different referendums than the normal ones we have in Italy, because the normal ones are abrogative referendum. So what happens is that there is a law, someone uh, collects signatures to change the law. If the Supreme Court says, okay, it's okay, then people go to vote. And if they wanna change the law, they have to uh, vote uh, no. Uh, but these laws are simple laws, normal laws. This referendum we're talking about right now, the one in, on September 2021, is not abrogative, it's confirmative. So what happened is that actually the parliament voted with a special procedure to change uh, three articles in the constitution. Uh, to do that, they had to pass twice the same change with three months uh, from one pass to another in the two chambers, the Senate and the House. 
So they voted four times, and every time the majority said that, that they wanted to change in the parliament. Given that they didn't reach the two-thirds of the, of the quorum, uh, there was a possibility, and that's why we would vote, to uh, ask the people, the Italian people, if they want to confirm the change that the parliament did, or if they do not want. There is no quorum, so basically, even if 10% uh, of the Italians go to vote, uh, it'll be valid uh, what they say. And if they say no, the changements are not gonna, gonna go on. If they say yes, uh, the changements will, will go on because uh, it will be a confirmative referendum. And so let's talk a little bit about the Italian parliament itself. And we've done a few episodes where we've talked about Italian politics and we've tried to give our listeners who are uninitiated into the modern Italian Republic a little overview of what the organs of government are in Italy. So save for the courts and the judiciary, let's talk about the legislative branch of the Italian government, which in this case is represented by the Chamber of Deputies and the Senate. And there's some very unique aspects to both of those that I think come into play in this conversation, which is, uh, for example, there's representatives in both houses that are elected by dual citizens living abroad. They're elected in geographies like North and Central America, elects together South America, the Caribbean, things like that. And in the Senate, you have another unique aspect to the Italian parliament, which is life appointments for senators, uh, illustrious Italians from all fields who are appointed by the sitting presidents of the Republic to serve as life senators in, in sort of an advisory role. And they have no terms that they're there for the rest of their lives, should they wish to serve. Can I add something? Yeah. What what constitutes an illustrious Italian? <laughs> Make chaos. Make what, are, what are the requirements for for being a, uh, an Italian senator? I really want to know. Umberto, this is to you, I think. Okay, so uh, well, uh, the life senators are first of all the former presidents of the Republic. Uh, now we have uh, one alive who is uh, Napolitano. And when Mattarella will end his seven-year run as president of the Republic, he will be a uh, life senator. Then the other ones are nominated by the president of the Republic. And actually, this reform, this referendum, uh, on a slighter note, also says that uh, there cannot be more than five uh, life senators. Uh, well, to answer Rossella's question, probably is up to the president of the Republic uh, to decide uh, this kind of uh, requirements. They are almost uh, never uh, politicians. Uh, we had um, uh, Renzo Piano, is a, is a life senator, so a well-renowned, uh, uh, world-known architect. Uh, or you can be uh, Rita Levi Montalcini, uh, a Nobel Prize, who uh, was a life senator, now, now she died. So basically, these persons uh, are uh, important, retired, uh, world-known uh, Italians who gave prestige to the country, who almost always didn't do anything uh, very politically sided. You know, they're not gonna do a life senator, someone who spent his or her own life uh, siding very, very radically from one side or the other. They should give uh, prestige to the Senate, uh, and, and they, they do, uh, believe me. The problem is that uh, we, you have 315 other senators elected that uh, most of the time uh, doesn't understand exactly that they should behave uh, very well. 
you know, it seems very complicated. I feel like they make it complicated on purpose so that people try to understand and then they just give up. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I agree with you. There's many thinkers, academics, who look at the post-war constitution and actually say that the confusion is built in on purpose because in the era following fascism, the idea was as you build a new Republican constitution, the post-war founding fathers of the Republic wanted to build organs of government that could not easily be taken over by one man, one party. And so the idea of, of sort of splitting as much of the power as you could, even, even to the point where, like many republics around the world, Italy has a prime minister who exercises the majority of the legislative agenda, but a president, uh, an uh, honorary president, if you will, who has the ultimate sort of executive power. But the prime minister in Italy is really interesting in, in that he or she is not actually the prime minister, but simply the president of the council of ministers. E- even in that title and, and responsibility, the power is is lessened than a traditional prime minister might be. And Umberto, you know, amongst that confusion, you bring up there are life senators and then there are 315 elected senators. Let's talk about the numbers in these chambers, because that's where a lot of this referendum is going to reflect, just for reference to people. And I, I, I don't know the U.S. population off the top of my head. I think it's about 320 million right now. Is that fair? Yeah. In a nation of about 320 million people here in the U.S., we elect every two years 435 members of the House of Representatives and every six years after their term, uh, 100 senators, right? Two from each state. And the House of Representatives is delineated based on population in each uh, state in the union. So 535 men and women in total serve 320 million American citizens. Italy, which is a nation of 60 million-ish people, probably 58, 57, something like that. How many members in both houses of their parliament? Okay, so uh, first of all, we got to remember that uh, the United States is a federal state uh, and we are not. So we have 20 regions, but we are uh, a nation that is not federal. Uh, Anyway, we have right now, before the referendum, we have 945 elected representatives in the parliament, 630 are in the House of Deputies, and 315 are in the Senate. The referendum asks to cut these numbers with a total degrees of 345. The House of Deputies will be 400 members, and the Senate will be 200 members. So they would cut it of one third of the composition that we have right now. These are the numbers. And I mean, we joked a little bit in the beginning of the episode about how many prerogatives there are to serving in the Italian government. And this has been a criticism of the constitutional system for a long time. You know, there are a lot of perks that come with serving in the Italian government. Is that correct? Well, yes. Uh, actually, you are right. The Constitution was made uh, specifically to uh, avoid the possibility that a strong man would do what uh, happened with the fascism. This worked very well up to the 60s. And then uh, the problem is that there is an electoral law that changes uh, every, let's say, four years or five years. Uh, as you have the same electoral law for hundreds of years, I don't know exactly, but you know exactly who you are electing, why, when, and you really can write to your senator or your your member of the parliament to tell, you know, look, I voted for you, I want 
vote for you again if you're not going to do something like this. Italy is, is much more problematic than this because uh, we haven't had uh, something like that. We voted in 1991 to have uh, what we call the majoritario, which is uh, uh, basically what you have to elect uh, one person in one college uh, and, and, and then knowing who you are electing. And we voted with a referendum and we said yes, Italy said yes, but then things changed and they put a little bit of proportional in the law that came from the referendum. And now they're talking about doing a, a completely proportional law. Because you have to understand that, of course, if you change the electoral law, people who is governing right now, people who is in the majority who is governing, will think about which kind of electoral law is uh, up to them to, to do best. So for instance, if you are in a, in a big party, you would want to uh, set a, a high level of uh, uh, impossibility to, give, to go in the, in the parliament if you don't reach that, that threshold. If you are a small uh, party, of course, uh, that you have, let, uh, let's say, 3%, you don't want a threshold that says that if you don't have 5%, you don't go in the parliament uh, at all. And so th these things change, of course, and everybody's thinking about their own uh, political agenda, more or less. So it's very hard to do governments. Um, uh, before 1991, the governments in Italy used to last uh, of an average of nine months nine months of an average before 1991. Then something changed and we had governments a little bit longer like the Berlusconi ones or the Renzi ones or the Prodi ones. But now really seems that we are going back to a situation where uh, it seems that in the parliament they are kind of doing whatever they want. Think about the fact that right now we have a prime minister that uh, uh, has never been elected as a parliamentarian but uh, he governed with the right-wing party uh, for one year, uh, from 2018 to 2019, and now he's governing with the left party. The same person, think about if, uh, if not, not Trump or Biden or Hillary Clinton, but think about if, let's say, Bloomberg starts being the president with the uh, Republican party and then switch sides and he starts governing with the Democratic party the same person not being voted and not because uh, he stopped governing with the Republican Party, then elections, uh, and then people will elect him as the president of the Democratic Party. Everything without voting uh, uh, after 2018. So you can understand that people uh, doesn't uh, believe very much in what politicians say in Italy and doesn't trust very much what politicians say. And you can add to this fact that Conte, the prime minister, is an expression of the Five Star Movements who uh, were voted swearing in every, every time swearing that they wouldn't ally with anyone. <laughs> then for the first time in the Italian Republic, they allied in the same legislature, first with the right and then with the left. It never happened before. So, you know, this is what's happening in Italy, and it is just the tip of the iceberg of the craziness. For those of us who have been raised with consciousness of Italian politics or have grown to be interested in Italian politics, I think craziness has been the consistent piece throughout at least our lifetime. It's very interesting for me to watch where parties and individuals are lining up on this referendum. Let's talk a little bit about 
what the vote means for a Italy in terms of where the parties are lining up, who is supporting it, who's not supporting it, who are its most vocal champions and critics, and then b for our audience, what does it mean for the Italians abroad? Because we owe a little bit of an explanation in terms of what it means to be an Italian abroad, and then a little bit of uh, exploration of how that constituency will be affected by this. So first of all, let's talk about who, who's supporting this and who's uh, against it. Okay, so <clears throat> brace yourself. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, something that was uh, uh, brought uh, from the Five Star Movement. The Five Star Movement uh, basically uh, asked uh, for votes because they say that uh, the Italian uh, political uh, uh, casta is not to, to be trusted uh, and a lot of things have to be changed. And so they say that uh, the parliament spend too much. So they say, let's reduce the number of the, the members of the parliament because that will reduce uh, the cost of the politics. Uh, so it's their idea. When uh, the parliament started to vote uh, about this, uh, this idea, they were at the government uh, with Lega, which is a right party. And so uh, in the agreement, uh, which came after the, the, the elections, the elections basically said that there was five-star movement, the center-right coalition, and the center-left coalition. Everybody more or less had 30% or something. So it was a, a standby. Uh, then Lega and five-star movement uh, did an agreement. Lega. Uh, left uh, its own allies uh, they run with, uh, which is Fratelli d'Italia, another right party, and Forza Italia, the Berlusconi uh, movement, and they allied with Five Star Movement. They had the majority in the parliament, and they did a government in 2018. Uh, one of the things that they uh, decided is that Lega would uh, uh, say yes to the votes in the parliament about this kind of changement of the constitution. Uh, you gotta understand that uh, the 2018 elections were elections where a lot of Italians said that they were tired about politics. So uh, if you are a group in the parliament and know that Italians are fed up uh, of uh, the spending of Italian politics, uh, this kind of question is easy. You vote yes, because otherwise everybody will tell you, oh, so you want you want to continue to spend our money without uh, being uh, uh, good politicians. And so uh, um, Fratelli d'Italia, which is a right party, but they were not in the uh, coalition with Lega and Five Star Movement, uh, voted yes in the parliament, and Forza Italia too voted yes. The Democratic Party, which was at the opposition in 2018, voted no. So, the first uh, um, votes in the parliament about this kind of changement passed with the votes of Pfizer Movement, Lega, Fratelli d'Italia, and uh, Forza Italia, while the left voted no. Then the government broke up, Lega left the government, and the Pfizer Movement did a new government with the Democratic Party, who voted no before that in the, in the parliament. One of the things that they agreed about was that the Democratic Party should be voting yes in the other uh, votes in the parliament. As I told you, to change the constitution, you need four different uh, votes in the parliament, three months aside, one to the other, okay? So after the making of the new government, Five Star Movement and Democratic Party, 
plus uh, two small left parties. The Democratic Party started to vote yes in the parliament to this reform. The Five Star Movement continued to vote yes, and Lega and Fratelli d'Italia continued to vote yes because they wanted to be coherent, even if they weren't, uh, uh, Lega war was not with the Five Star Movement anymore. Okay? Then uh, there is a, a small um, party which is Pew Europa, they are pro Europe, and another small party which is the Italian left. They are against this, uh, this referendum. They are voting no. The Italian left is in the coalition that supports now the government, but they are voting no, but it is a small party. There is another small party in the coalition that is supporting the government right now, and it is the party that came from the Democratic Party when there was Renzi and other people uh, loyal to Renzi that uh, broke up with the Democratic Party and did another party. Still, they are in the same coalition with the Democratic Party, but they don't vote yes or no. They just leave freedom of choice to their voters. Okay? It gets worse. <laughs> but please let me know <laughs> if, uh, if I was uh, uh, enough. If we, uh, if, if we had a radio show right now, we'd be taking a music break for people just to get, <laughs> to get their steam. But you know, go ahead, please. Okay, thank you. Um, so uh, it, it gets even more complicated because, first of all, if you look at this from the point of view of the coherence of the actual political alliances, it's a mess. Because in this moment, uh, as I told, in the coalition that supports the government, we have five stars and Democratic Party, two big, the two biggest ones of the coalition, who both vote yes. Italian left vote no, and Italia, Italia Viva, the Renzi party, gives freedom to vote. And this is the coalition that supports the government. In the opposition, there are two parties for the yes, Lega and Fratelli d'Italia, one undecided, Berlusconi Forza Italia, and one for the no, which is Pure Europa. But politically, Pure Europa is not allied neither with the center right or with the center left. It gets even more complicated, but I swear it's the last thing I'm going to say <laughs> about this. Because I understand it's very complicated. Uh, because uh, uh, you have uh, people uh, among the parties that uh, are saying to, to vote uh, yes that want to vote no. Because if you think about the political outcomes of this referendum, what happens is that the most important uh, parties that are pushing to vote yes are the biggest parties in the coalition that is supporting the government, Democratic Party and Five Star Movement. If Italy votes no, this is a very, very big hit against the government, right? Sure. So a lot of people in Lega and Fratelli d'Italia uh, a survey says 45% of the voters uh, of Fratelli d'Italia and 36% of the voters of Lega say that we, they will vote no, even if the leaders say that they should vote yes, because they want the government to fall. And they say, if there is the majority of Italians who vote no, this is a very, very uh, hard hit on the government, okay? And the leader of Lega, Salvini, is kind of saying, listen, I voted yes in the parliament for four times. I cannot say let's vote no now, but you do whatever you want. And <laughs> he just, you know, he's saying basically- Wink, wink. Wink, wink, exactly. Now, the, the, the situation is that uh, according to the poll also, 32% of the Democratic Party voters will vote no, because they say we voted no at the beginning uh, 
uh, of the legislature in 2018 when this uh, political uh, idea came up to the vote in the parliament. Now we don't want to say yes just because we are at the government with the, the uh, Five Star Movement. You know, I, I, I know that it seems that I'm just uh, inventing a, a very strange uh, movie from the Coen Brothers. <laughs> it, it feels like the plot to General Hospital since 1986. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't keep up. It's like Bryce is, the, is Lauren's mother, but also her sister, and then... And then there's like an evil twin comes along, <laughs> another one's got an eye patch. Then you know there's a, a random porn star inserts herself, and then and then you got the bunga bunga parties with Stoney, and then you got the five star parties. Then you got a guy that used to sell beer at the at the Body Stadium, and now he's president somehow. Ministry of the President. We have a prime minister, and I I, I don't know. I'm that's why I don't talk. <laughs> that's why I don't talk. come on this show and talk, and now I, I now everybody knows that I don't know, so I'm done. That's it. Well, now everybody knows how hard it is to know, so you're validated because it is the most confusing political circus you could find. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know the story of Facite Amuina. Facite Amuina in Neapolitan means uh, let's let's make let's, chaos, uh, make trouble, yeah, make chaos. exactly make chaos. <laughs> and it comes from uh, a ship where the Neapolitans were working, supposed to work, but they weren't working. And and then the the captain said uh, uh, the financier or, or someone very important is coming, so we have to show that we are working. So. People from the, si the left side of the boat, let's go to the left side of the boat. And the people from the right side of the boat, let's go to the left boat. And you change your seats and, and you meet and you speak and you, Fashita Muina, let's pretend that you are doing something and people will say, oh, they are working. Let's, let's see, see how, how much they're moving. It always comes is... back to a Neapolitan. That's what you've proven. <laughs> I've waited 45 minutes in silence to prove that it will all come back to a Neapolitan. Thank you, Umberto. Thanks for listening. Have a nice day. I feel like they think if they just create enough chaos, the world will think that they're really like committed to political change. And <laughs> Probably but, true. But I mean, th th that's the beauty of the Italian system. If you, you know, you talk about the average government lasting nine months between 1948 and the, and the 90s. The amazing thing about it is it was really the same cast of characters. It was the same three or four parties. You really had, you know, turnover, but stability within that turnover. So the chaos that's created is sort of the norm in the Italian political system. And we're living through, uh, it feels like the ultimate vestiges of that. Because as you're pointing out, Umberto, right, you've got parties who supported it at one point, now they have to support it, even though it's counter to their benefit. In the long term, you have members of parties who are being told this is the party platform, but they don't want to support it. You have the uh, Lega, which is basically saying, you know, we supported it, but wink, wink, do what you want. And it reminds me of the referendum in 2016, as Pat was sleeping on the deck of the ferry. Uh, uh, can I just tell everybody, <laughs> for the people who don't care about politics, my brother and John and I were watching the results come in with a full, like, I guess it was like 
the lobby of the ship. There must have been 400 people watching it. And then I guess I fell asleep. I wake up. There's not one soul left. <laughs> and even my brother and John, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know if we hit an iceberg and they all ran to the lifeboat. <laughs> and they that, just abandoned me. It was a horrible feeling. I just that was a rough God, morning. That, that, that was a rough, for you. What was it for me? <laughs> I could have been mugged. I could have been thrown overboard. <laughs> anyway. But, but, but you, you, you know where they went when they saw the political outcome, which was a no, they went to post on Facebook saying, I told you, I voted no. <laughs> that's absolutely that's true. Everybody voted no then. But that's my point. That, that, was, that was a no vote, right? Even though many, many people agreed that the reforms that were being proposed would be to the benefit of stability of the Republican system, it was a no vote because Renzi came out and said he would step down if the country didn't support his referendum. So he personalized the politics and it became nothing more than an up and down vote on the current prime minister. And that fell right along party lines. And, you know, obviously Renzi and the referendum lose, he steps down and then we get the chaos uh, that we have now kind of being born out of the, the election that comes thereafter. But it, it feels quite the same as it did with David Cameron and the Brexit vote. And, and, and exactly. it's quite the same as we're looking at now in the United States, which is the personalization of these politics yeah. becomes really dangerous because what's being proposed is, for better or worse, a significant constitutional reform, one that really is bipartisan, right? There, there's nothing partisan about it in its nature, the idea of the number of representation that we have there. And here it is being voted along the lines of what's good for a political party. So it's not abnormal in today's personality-driven politics, particularly in the West. But one of the things I want to talk about, like we mentioned, is the popular conceptions or opinions about what this means for certain constituents. I've heard a lot of my friends, as everybody knows, we're all pretty involved in the Southern movements. A lot of our friends from the South are saying, vote no, because the South is going to lose representation at a higher percentage than the North will, and it'll further reduce the Southern voice. I know a lot of Americans or Italian-Americans or Italians abroad uh, who are very concerned about how to vote because they feel that this could easily diminish, if not eliminate, the representation overseas, which is such a particular aspect of the Italian uh, Republican system. So, Umberto, could you just address that as of now, we, we can't predict the future, if this were to pass, what does it mean, particularly for how certain regions are represented, and most importantly, the people living in our country who are represented in the Italian parliament? Okay, so uh, as for now, we have 18 uh, members of the parliament, 12 at the House and 6 in the Senate, uh, voted uh, uh, from the Italians abroad. Two in the House are from the uh, North America and uh, Mexico and Guatemala circumscription, uh, and one in the Senate. So, uh, of course, if you reduce the number of the, the total number of the parliamentarians, uh, of course, they will have to uh, reduce also the representation of the Italians abroad. We don't know exactly uh, how much, but if they reduce one third, it could be that uh, instead of uh, uh, 18, there will be 12. And so there will probably be, I don't know, maybe nine in the House and three in the Senate or eight in the House, probably eight in the House and four in the Senate. This would mean that uh, you would have uh, uh, bigger electoral colleges. Probably, I, I don't know, but probably they will do, okay, let's do North America and South America and Central America all together. Uh, while now, uh, in South America, they vote for uh, uh, someone, and in North America, you vote for someone else. Uh, about the fact that the, <clears throat> the South would be less representative, it's not like this. Exactly the, the situation is that if you reduce the number of the parliamentarians, uh, 
This means that uh, every deputy or senator will uh, represent more people, and this doesn't change the representation between north and south. It changes the representation between rural areas and cities. Because, of course, in the city, uh, there is more people living, even if COVID uh, is kind of changing something, but it will be a long change. And in the rural uh, places, uh, you will have uh, 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 more spread people that will count a little bit less. It's impossible to understand exactly what this will mean if the referendum passes, but for sure, you will have uh, richer people that will run for uh, office because uh, you will have to campaign in a much bigger area, convincing uh, a much larger number of people. Uh, and so this could uh, bring uh, more, uh, let's say, rich people uh, to the parliament. And somebody says, and what about the poor people that uh, maybe before could run and hope that they would be elected and now they couldn't because they need more money to reach more people and be elected. It, it isn't 100% like this, but this is a concern that has some right. Uh, there is another problem. When we elect the President of the Republic, actually it is the Parliament together with the regions that elect the President of the Republic. Right now, we have 945 parliamentarians and three members of every region, so 60 persons from the regions. If we reduce the number of the parliamentarians from 945 to uh, 600, of course, the 60 members of the region have much more power than before, because now they are one-tenth and before they were one-twelfth or thirteen or whatever it is. Now, the problem is that some people that says, uh, let's vote no, uh, they say that it is uh, like if you, if you have to uh, sit on a chair and uh, uh, the chair is stable, but if you cut only one leg of the chair, the people who will sit on the chair will fall down because the chair is unstable. If you want to cut half of one leg, you have to cut the other three legs. And so you will sit way lower, but you will be stable again. So uh, reducing the number of parliamentarians uh, without changing the other things that are affected by this number seems from, uh, and I'm talking about the people from that says, let's vote, no, seems that it is a, a cut of uh, just one half of one leg and the system will be unstable. And there is some, some uh, true truth in this uh, situation, in this position actually, because the Democratic Party that now is saying let's vote yes, they say that they want to change one of the things that are uh, affected by the number of the parliamentarians, which is the electoral uh, law. Actually, uh, it was in the agreement that brought to the new government, but uh, they didn't change the electoral law up to now. And uh, somebody in the Democratic Party says, I don't trust that they will change the electoral law, you know, because mm. it's just a promise. And anyway, the electoral law can be changed with a simple majority in the parliament. So it is not a, a constitutional change. A constitutional change needs a, a, a very hard and a complete, co a complex procedure. But the, the changement of the electoral law is simple. You can do it with a majority. So uh, they are doing something that probably is not accurate. Mm. 
And at the end of the day, the money that it will be saved is the 0.007% of the public spending annually in the Italian government. So it's not that much. Yeah, and obviously public spending is a big concern with Italy at, I don't even know what the percentage is now, 120% uh, debt to GDP ratio or something to that effect. But you know, it's also interesting for our listeners to understand as far as I understand it, you know, we, we picture the idea of electing a representative based on geography, as you pointed out earlier, based on our federal system. So we go to the polls, and it doesn't matter if the entire uh, electoral college in every state in a landslide votes a Democrat for president, if my congressional district elects a Republican, a Republican goes to the Congress. But in Italy, you vote for the party, and so the party places its membership in geographic region. So for example, one of the great ironies of the Italian political system, Salvini, the head of the Lega party, which up until a few years ago was a, a vehemently uh, separatist pro-Northern party, he's been elected from a Southern constituency, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he was uh, elected in two different colleges and he chose uh, the Southern one, yes. Uh, but yes. in reality, he doesn't necessarily represent that Southern uh, electorate. I mean, you know, like you say, they're not calling him up. No, no, but it's worse than this because uh, with this electoral law that we have right now, which is uh, the third or fourth electoral law in uh, 10 years, maybe, they are changing them and they are worsening them. Uh, the, the, the very, very bad thing is, is this. Let's say that uh, we all five are from the same party, okay? So we want to run for uh, our place because we are all from the same place and from the same party. Okay. So the chief of the party says that, uh, provided that he likes more Rosella and Stephanie, and I agree with, with, uh, with, uh, with him <laughs> or her, uh, Rosella is the first in the, in, the, in the list. Stephanie is the second in the list. John is the third. Patrick is the fourth. Umberto is the fifth. My people who would like to vote for me cannot write my name. They should vote for the party, hope that Rosella gets elected, and then Stephanie gets elected, and then John gets elected, and then Patrick gets elected. If our party in this territorial place elects five people, then I go in. Otherwise, they would like to vote for me, but they are voting for Rosella, and then Stephanie, and then John, and then Patrick. So uh, this gives uh, too much power to the parties because uh, actually they put first on the list whoever they want uh, and they basically decide who gets elected. Now, what uh, does it mean? It means that, uh, for instance, in 2018, the chief of the Democratic Party was Renzi. He had resigned from the government, but he was the secretary of the Democratic Party. When the elections was, were made, he did the list. So he chose his people. <laughs> and in the parliament, a lot of his people went, uh, okay? They elected his people. When he divided from the Democratic Party in 2019, he brought a lot of parliamentarians in his new party, Italia Viva, because they were loyal to him, because they were there, because they were up in the lists, he did, okay? So uh, there's a lot of people in the Italia Viva group in the parliament, even if Italia Viva 
was not in the elections because they just split up from the Democratic Party. And there's a lot of people who were elected in the Democratic Party when the secretary was Renzi in 2018 that changed and now is in Italia Viva, uh, representing Italia Viva in the group in the parliament because they were loyal to Renzi because Renzi put them in the list in 2018. I don't know if it's uh, understandable. No, it, it's very much understandable and it, it, it goes to a point that I've always maintained, which is that the one of the bigger problems in the current Italian system is the fact that, you know, you can say what you want about the flaws in the American system. We have plenty of them. I'm a big advocate for open primaries and a lot of things that we need to consider here to help save our republic. Um, but as a student of the Italian system, I've always said the biggest flaw, I think, in my mind is not how the size of it or the structure. It's that the party is a permanent impediment between the voter, the, the citizen, and the representation in the government. The party, you know, you, you are beholden to the party's decisions, its leadership's decisions. You know, in the U.S., it's not prohibitive to voting for who you want to vote for, right? Whereas in Italy, it is. Um, you know, I, I never told this story on the air, but I think back to my time at the National Italian American Foundation. I was getting ready in 2016 to step down, I guess. And before our gala weekend, uh, which we were all there for that one, um, they had a dinner at the ambassador's residence. And I was obviously invited to represent NIAF. And I sat at a table, you know, I was sort of, I was the president and COO of NIAF. So I sat at sort of the staff table and uh, all the board members sat with the dignitaries. And I was positioned between, at that point, representatives of the government, which was Renzi's government, and some members of the Obama administration that in October of 2016 were active in Hillary Clinton's campaign. So I sat between an advisor for Hillary Clinton and an advisor for Matteo Renzi. And both of them were talking about what they would do to work together in the coming years because the polls showed that Renzi was going to win and the polls showed that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And uh, obviously here we are four years later and neither of them won, and, and the polls have been wrong in a bunch of different places and Brexit and things like that. So I hesitate to ask you this question, but what do the polls say right now? What does it look like as we look at September 20th, 21st is going to happen? Okay. So um, uh, in Italy, there is a law that says that uh, uh, 14 days before any election or referendum, uh, it's prohibited to broadcast the results of the surveys. Because... The situation is already complicated, but it complicates much more because in the same days, 20 and 21 of September, there are also seven regions that uh, vote for the renewal of their governments. And this, of course, affects everything because uh, some of these regions are big regions, Puglia, Veneto, Campania, Toscana, so, uh, and, and, and so this, this complicates things a lot more. But, uh, in June, there was 70% uh, of people who would vote yes and 30% who, no, who would vote no. Remember that, that the most important parties uh, are still saying uh, to their voters, uh, vote yes. Mm. And so it's understandable that uh, there is a much broad consensus uh, to the yes. But uh, <clears throat> now that the time uh, goes by, no is getting stronger and stronger. There are some uh, hidden uh, surveys uh, that say that uh, they are getting to 40 or even 45%. But above all, these surveys say, and this, this can be said, that 20% of Italians uh, do not know how to vote. Wow. 
Now, there is no quorum. So if 10% of the people go to vote, that will be valid. Okay, remember this. And so uh, we are coming from a very strong yes position. And uh, up to now, almost everyone uh, was sure that yes would win. A and probably it will win. But no is getting stronger because the, <clears throat> the, the very strange situation is that uh, this is kind of a catch-22 if you think about it. If the Italians do not love the parliament as it is and want to change it, they apparently must vote yes. But if they vote yes, they confirm the change approved by the parliament. So why do they want to change the parliament if to do so they have to confirm what it has done? <laughs> You know, it, it's, it's a paradox, but it is also very perfectly description, a perfect description of the Italian politics. So if you think about what happened with Renzi in 2016, what happened is, is that people voted against who was governing. And with the, uh, Cameron in Great Britain, basically it, it happened the same. And basically it happened the same in the United States in 2016 too. Hillary was the was the, the natural uh, prosecution to Obama. So there is a strong uh, movement of people who, will, who could vote no just because they would go against the government. Now, there's a huge problem that usually in the referendum, you vote uh, yes if you go against the government. Now you should vote no. And of course, uh, politics is not doing a very good job in informing people. There is a lot of problems. Uh, people is talking about COVID, is talking about economy, is talking about the reopening of schools, which is just one week before the vote. So it's, it's not a, a, a very important topic in the mainstream media. And there's a lot of people who really do not understand. And when it goes to the basic facts, uh, Politicians will sum these as, uh, do you want to spend more money with politics or less money? And, you know, everybody or almost everybody would say less money. And so if you want to spend less money, you got to vote yes. So this is why yes was very big and it prob will probably win. It'll be interesting to see if there's more voter turnout in the regions that are electing their president, their regional president than other places. You know, I'm sure that those regions will be disproportionately represented in, uh, in, this, in this referendum. So it's interesting to see, you know, with Puglia coming up and Campania coming up and all of this conversation about uh, what it means for representation in the South, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that affects it. Uh, well, think about the fact that, uh, you know, you basically have six important regions and then there is Valle d'Aosta, which is, is very uh, small. small. But you have Campania, Veneto, Toscana, Marche, Puglia and uh, uh, Liguria. Wow. And in all six regions uh, but Liguria, you have three candidates, one for the center-left, one for the center-right, and one for the five-star movement. The only region where the five-star movement uh, and uh, the Democratic Party are running together is Liguria, and they already know that they're going to lose, <laughs> almost certainly. Uh, so in all the other regions, uh, the, the coalition of the government is split up. And actually, uh, in the five regions left, you have Veneto, which will go to the right. Uh, you have uh, Marche, which will go to the right. You have Campania, which will go to the left. And Puglia and Toscana are uh, uh, very complicated. But of course, if in Puglia and Tuscany, 
the Faisal movement and the Democratic Party would run together, they would win, but they are not running together, and so they are split. But uh, the major runner, runners uh, for governors in these six uh, regions are all from parties that say vote yes, everyone. Do you think if the referendum fails that the government will collapse, that there'll be new elections? What, what do you mean with fails? If the referendum is voted a no. Uh, probably the government will fall. I'm not sure because you cannot be sure about anything with Italian politics, anything. But uh, yes, you know, uh, Five Star Movement uh, would take a very, very strong hit and uh, the Democratic Party too. The secretary of the Democratic Party, Zingaretti, is betting a lot on this change because before he voted no and now he's voting yes. And there are people in his party who is not happy with that. And remember that in the Democratic Party, every time they vote a secretary, there's a part of party that is working to have him uh, uh, fall down and sub uh, resigning and be substituted with someone else. Every, every time in the Democratic Party is like this, and this is not changing now. Of course, you should understand that there's also the uh, regional uh, elections that affect this kind of thing. Because uh, right now, uh, the six main regions that are voting, now they have four governors which, which are from the left and two for the right. And the situation is that uh, probably it will be after the elections, four for the right and two for the left, or can be five for the right and one for the left, or three and three. In any way, the, the left will, will lose at least one, if not three. This is important because these two can change the balance in the government because the Democratic Party wanted to run together with one uh, candidate with the Five Star Movement, the Five Star Movement uh, didn't, uh, and this could affect uh, the government after the elections and the referendum. There is one problem that there is no other possible coalition unless uh, a lot of parliamentarians uh, change uh, where they were elected or the group where they were elected. And there is another important thing. I'm sorry, but this is, this is very important. In 2022, the Italian parliament is going to vote the next president of the Republic because the seven years of Mattarella are, uh, are ending. And the President of the Republic is very, 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 very important. So it's very, very unlikely that uh, this parliament will end before 2022, because uh, those who are in the parliament uh, get to be those who can elect the next President of the Republic, which is very, very important. So if the government falls, uh, there won't be elections, new elections, I think, but there will be another government with another coalition with pieces of members of one group and the other group that will gather together, will do someone, something, and they will do an emergency government, even because the new government should use the funds, the recovery fund from Europe, which is a lot of money, so it's a, a huge responsibility, but also you can decide how to spend a lot of money, which is not bad, you know? And so this is why I don't think that we will, be, we will vote uh, at least before 2023. Do you think De Luca will be reelected in Campania? And do you think he did a good job with the coronavirus? I know social media painted him a lot, almost as a caricature. <laughs> but there does seem to be grassroots support for him. But how do you see De Luca's political future? 
But Deluca will win 100% in Campania, absolutely. And uh, his political future, I'm not so sure because he's a very, very harsh man. He says uh, whatever he wants to say and uh, people like it, politicians not that much. And uh, so uh, he did a good, very good job with COVID, uh, provided that, uh, you know, we were the first country and so Western country, and so it wasn't easy. But he did a very good job, and he's doing a very good job because he was very, very strong. He wasn't afraid to, to tell people, you got to stay home no matter what. I don't care if you want to party, if you are tired of uh, putting your mask in your, on your mouth, if you want to drink with your friends. I don't care. You have to stay home. You have to obey the law. Uh, and you know, it's Naples, it's Campania, so it's not easy yeah. because uh, a lot of people is used to, you know, interpretate the, the law. And I'm, I'm telling, <laughs> even I love Naples. I, Naples is, is the most incredible place in the world to me. And I, I com I'm completely in love with Naples. But of course, it's not the place where people obey the rule more. They're a post-governmental society. <laughs> in their own minds at least they are they are the, the last hope of the world i think <laughs> is is, uh, is is an incredible place where uh, it's it's amazing i'm i'm in love totally in love with naples speaking of being in love with naples it's a great place for us to close the conversation because you you know all of us are in love with our own parts of italy i know naples and sicily and and puglia the three of us certainly miss probably more than most people. What's the latest on when we can come back? I don't know. Uh, nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Uh, listen, the, the situation is this. Um, now we're opening up the schools and uh, it is a huge thing because probably there will be a rise uh, on in, the, in the positives. There's a lot of people who think that schools will be closed again in a few weeks or in a few months, because uh, in uh, winter the virus is stronger, because you have flu, because uh, it's cold. So until there is a vaccine, I don't think that uh, people will be allowed to travel from outside Europe uh, to Europe, unless you come from a country that really, really, really has very, very uh, few positives, and it's not the United States. No. Now, of course, it depends on how the virus goes in the United States, too. Uh, I really don't know, but I think that uh, up until we have a vaccine, and you have a vaccine, let's say probably spring, it's very, very complicated to foresee that there will be uh, the possibility to have tourism from the United States. Of course, I hope that I'm wrong. Of mm. course. Don't we all? Because you want to stay here, you want to come here, but we really, 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 really miss American tourists. Uh, I really miss you because I love you, but the money. American money. The money. The, money. the dollar. Uh, so uh, I'm, I think that we will need the vaccine and you will need the vaccine. Yeah. And then things will slightly become more normal and people will be allowed. Of course, I hope that in general you all will come here. Of course, I do. Let's say a prayer. Let's just say we hope we leave our listeners with the idea that soon we will be able to return to Italy. We don't know when, but we certainly will be able to return. And I'm sure there will be a, a huge call for an official Italian-American podcast tour to take everybody back and uh, show them what we've been missing for all of these months. 
Umberto, as usual, it's always a pleasure having you around and catching up with you as a friend and as a thinker and as a leader in Italy and the United States. So thank you for coming on and, uh, and giving some clarity to our listenership on this important referendum. Thanks all of you, the listeners, uh, John, Rosella, Patrick. Uh, thank you very much for all you do. And uh, I'm sorry if I wasn't very precise. And I know that it's a big mess, but believe me, <laughs> it's not just because I'm not very good, but because it's a really mess. But thank you very much. And guys, I love you. I love you. We love you too. Well, we love, love you. love you too. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> well, I hope everybody out there that is a dual citizen of Italy and has the right to uh, travel back is also thinking about the election. I know ballots have been sent out. So, you know, as we would say here in the United States, the same thing, vote, because it's important that your voice is used. And certainly in Italy, it's important that uh, we Italian Americans and Italians abroad exercise this amazing uh, democratic right that we have to participate in the democracy of our beloved Madre Patria. So I encourage everybody to vote, and I hope that this was a helpful uh, lesson in the ins and outs of this complex situation. And of course, if you have any questions for Umberto or ourselves, please feel free to send them to us through our social media and through our email, and uh, we'll make sure we pass them along. So hopefully we can be of help in clarifying this and any other topic that comes up in the future. And if you guys still don't understand what the hell we talked about, don't worry, because neither do I. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> it doesn't make it easy. Well, from all of us at the Italian American Podcast, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Ciao. You get chicken cacciatore When your mama's a paisano You have got the world on a plate so see that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born in Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born in Italiano and your life.